1: True stupidity. Home of the greatest media mind ever to walk the planet.
2: i tell you what, man, he's a literal titan across the entire media landscape.
1: Okay, so here's the deal. He's a true icon in
2: every sense of the word. He's loved and feared more than any being to grace this planet.
3: There's two guys. A man with a voice that sounds like Barry White and got say hey Jewish baby. <laughs>
1: God himself would pay $39.99 for a cameo. Fact of the matter is, you are about to embark on a transcendent experience that can only be described as psychological nudity. This is Stu Goss, and this is Stupidity.
2: Here we go, Jim. Today... Welcome into another episode of Stupidity, the biggest podcast in the world. Thanks to you. Please subscribe, rate and review, unsubscribe, resubscribe, re-rate, re-review. By doing that, you have made us the biggest podcast in the world. We are excited today. College football, week one, is in the books. A lot to react to. We'll do so with Mike Golick Sr. coming up in just a minute. And plus, the upset of the weekend. Mikey, do you love when we have upsets like this? When you have a school like Montana who was playing Washington, a Power 5 school, and Montana springs the upset. Like, it was Appalachian State over Michigan many, many years ago. Do you love when that happens in college football? Because me, for me, Mike, Alabama has completely stolen the sport from everyone else, okay? Like, we should already crown them as national champions, and their B team should be the runner-up, okay? So I am wondering here, in the absence of having any real competition at the very top, what do we look for? We look for feel-good stories. We look for upset, and Montana gave us that over the weekend. I loved it.
1: As long as I got money on it, I want it.
2: <laughs> you had Montana money line. Don't tell me. You did not have that. I, no, I didn't touch that game. I didn't touch that game. Okay, but you wish you had, right? Yes. <laughs> Montana <money> line. Yes. <laughs> I had Washington. <laughs> I'm going to tell the coach to fuck off. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I might do that. I'm definitely not going to do that. If Golik wasn't here, I'd do it. But Golik's here, therefore I won't do it. Let's get to Golik and the coach. Dubonnet, coach. I mean, listen, what a, I
1: mean, what a win. Listen, you've been doing this a long time, but you get a win like this. First, forgetting you, how about the the players? Just kind of what what their reaction was to the whole thing.
3: Yeah, I, I guess I'd start with. You know, you talk program first, obviously, and you're right on with that. So uh, it was such a great, great win for us. And it's especially sweet, I would say, because Washington's a good team. They've got good coaches. they got good players. I mean, it was a good win for us. And, and our guys are, are rightfully – excited about going in there and getting the win I, I think they're probably the only ones that thought they so could do. A, a,
1: along those lines if it, it, it's one of those things when people read the stats and we always say this is why it's not played on paper because when you look at it seven penalties 10 first downs 232 total yards two or 13 on third down you're like
3: how the hell did they win that game so how, how'd you win the game well you know we 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 Try to espouse that we're not going to goof it up like a lot. Like, you know, Don James ironically told me when I was a young coach, grabbed me and said, Hey, remember, a lot more games are lost than are won. Think on that for a little bit. So, you know, you want to win the turnover battle, want to control the run game, uh, win there, and then win when the game's on the line. Two minute, third down, fourth quarter, those situations, red zone. And we were successful in those areas, for the most part. Uh, we have a good tackling football team. We play hard, and that's how it worked out.
2: Coach, I'm wondering, and and please be honest here. Okay, it, it's okay because your program was one seventeen and one against Washington entering that game. Did you yeah, really think? An, what was that? Every
3: 100 years. 1920, <laughs> you're right. 19,
1: <laughs> Stu, last time they beat him was 1920. So every, it's 101 years. So the honesty, but the my honesty guy, I'll
3: go ahead, finish your question. I interrupted you.
2: Yeah. Well, well what I'm wondering is with, you know, arm with all that information, 117 and one, last time you beat him was 100 years ago. Did you honestly think you had a chance headed into that game? Well, you
3: know, I worked there. So I'm, I mean, I'm familiar with the place. I'm um, also familiar with what we've got. And, you know, what's funny is is I, I really believe, especially with this generation of kids, um, confidence is magic. And if you have real confidence, you get a chance in about any game. And it can't be phony. It, they, you got to really believe it. I think our guys felt like we could go in there and, and steal one, which, um, as I said, I don't know if anybody else did. But I felt like I went back on last Thursday and did a evaluation of some teams they played versus us, personnel-wise, who – held up against them a year ago and I felt like we we matched up okay. So you you look at
1: the game and the emotion so I'd like to know what you were saying to the team in that last part of the game 133 left they miss a fourth and two you get the ball back but you only burn 21 seconds and you miss a 50-yard field goal they get to your 43 and then you get that pick that finally seals it so there's an up and down there. What's the sideline like? What are you saying at that point?
3: Yeah, we well, you know, I told them at halftime I thought we were the better team on that given night. Um but then at the end of the game, we couldn't close them out. We had first and goal on the five and had to take a field goal. Um we had a chance to make a field goal there. We couldn't get a first down to run it out. They were we we made him use their three timeouts, which helped, but uh You know, at the end of the game, you're doing all those calculations in your head with clock, timeouts, field position, field goal range of the other guy's kicker, all that stuff. So, there's not a lot of time to have a bunch of speechifying. It was more, (laughs) hang hang on to your tail and let's make, we had him in fourth and ten and didn't hold them. So, we made it hard on ourselves. But, uh, you know, just all we needed was one more play and we finally got it.
2: When did you guys stop celebrating? Have you guys stopped celebrating? Well, we, we needed to. Um... (laughs) <laughs> another game we, we, huh? didn't, yeah,
3: we didn't really want to so uh we we celebrated for for a couple of days yesterday about two o'clock we pulled them in told them how lousy they were and got them back to center let me tell you stew th-
1: i can't tell you how true that is i've never got yelled at more in a win than yelled at less in a loss i mean that's what coaches never want to make you feel too good so they will find a way to, to to knock you down a little bit
2: after a big win wait but I want to I'm interested coach how did you find your way because it's hard to knock them back down after they beat a power five top ten
3: team headed into the weekend oh, you know, I, mean, I, did my, I did my best Nick Saban impression you know our red zone offense wasn't good enough we didn't finish the drives we didn't get first downs <laughs> missed eight tackles you know there was all that stuff but you know, I'll, I'll, Michael, appreciate this. I'll, I'm a, We have a senior meeting today here in a little bit, and we have an open date next week. And I, I'll just, I'm just going to tell him, hey, we win it. We'll have a little more free time next week. If we lose it. We'll go back into training camp next week. That Let me tell you why I appreciate
1: that, because that was Buddy Ryan to a T. I mean, we lost. We went pads Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We won. All of a sudden, we weren't going until Wednesday, so it was nice. And I know you have another out-of-conference, Western Illinois, this week, and then that bye before you start your conference play with Cal Poly. So you're going to have some happy players when you put that in front of them. And so at least one more on the game, just because it's my side of the ball. I know in trying to find something wrong, I get it, you know, it, to, to let the kids not feel too good about themselves. But Washington, first drive is a touchdown, and then your defense blanks them for the rest of the game. I mean, that is an impressive stat right there.
3: Yeah. To to give up only seven and, and uh, shut them out for 55 plus minutes of the game was huge. And obviously a great effort by our assistant coaches and players, Mike, and you would like our front guys. They, they play like you're supposed to play. They get off the ball, they go get them. Um, You know, we, our defenses gets after it. Um, I'm a defensive guy myself. So I, appreciate it and you know that's a Washington team that four of the five starters were all pack 12 last year and the the freshman that beat out the returning guy he was honorable mention all pack 12 so we were that's a that was a concern if we could hold up or not but our our guys did a great job. Coach
2: you have uh you have done a lot of winning uh over your career I'm wondering is that the biggest win of your career?
3: You know I I think it is um there There've been a lot of great ones and you know I I remember my other time on the visiting sideline uh, at Washington, I went up there with Coach Donahue in UCLA, uh, and we were 20, about 24-point underdogs in 1990. That was my only other time on the visitor sideline, and we upset him that day. And so when the clock was ticking down, I was thinking about Coach Donahue who passed away earlier this summer.
2: After a win like that, like coaches have told me, after a win like that, okay, you get a couple of texts, and so I am one. You get a lot of texts, but I'm wondering of the text you of the text you receive, which text surprised you the most? Did you get a text from someone where you were like, "Oh my god, like this win meant so much"? I got a text from blank. Was there something like that? Um,
3: You know, there was a there was a ton. Like I said, literally maybe a thousand, but it was it was really cool to get calls and texts from. Coaching buddies around the country, um, you know some of the other coaches from the the Pac-12 and you know the, the SEC and the Big Ten. It was it, it, it was really cool, and uh, I don't know that one sticks out more than the other because there there's a lot of it was a lot of fun staying up all night Saturday night returning those. Oh, I bet it
1: was. I you know I, I saw your sch- like I said out of conference this week, and then you start conference play. I haven't seen your schedule going ahead the next couple of years. Do you have? Uh, other D ones that are scheduled like Washington was, I'm sorry, I don't have that stuff in front yeah. of me. So
3: this coming up again, we don't, I'm not sure if we get to get any more either. Really? <laughs> well, we we'll would try, but sometimes they don't like to do it. Um, would like to get one of those games every year. And, and um, we, we have almost 20,000 season ticket holders here, Mike. So going on the road has to, replace a home game so it has to be fairly lucrative so that the the dollars and cents sometimes don't add up for us we can get a real big one and sometimes we can sometimes we can't and that's the
1: amazing thing is you get a win like this and those phone calls I'm sure become harder you know and unless you have unless you have your players screaming we want Bama or something like that you know
2: Tell me they're screaming that, coach. Tell
1: me.
3: They'll be immediately tackled and muzzled by the head coach. <laughs> in football says we want Bama. You know our 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 team GPA. We're, you know it's not exclusive to Notre Dame or anything. Our team GPA is pretty good. There's no one dumb enough on our team. Maybe only two of them. They're dumb enough to sit. Name them. <laughs> <team. laughs> <laughs> I, I promise. I just won't.
2: Oh man. <laughs> But Mike I, Mike uh, Golick I think for this season and this season alone like just leave it alone because right now I mean coaches 1 and 0 against power 5 conference he's got a good well, yeah. well, he's well this got, is he got a good claim to make the playoffs this is basically
1: <laughs> basically how it works you get that one D1 a yeah. year and yes. you make it worth some money to 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 make it worthwhile to travel and but in all honesty what i said it hurts when you win you know because then teams all of a sudden they're like wait a Correct. minute we're supposed Correct. to bring a team in that we can beat and this team's beaten D1 teams. So it's tough and and coach again your success I mean you're the the most wins you know uh, at Montana most wins in the Big Sky fastest to 40 50 60 70 80 wins I mean I I I know it may not be till after you're done coaching but wow in in a private moment with the family I mean you've you've accomplished quite a bit does that that settle in at all?
3: Well, you know, it's probably a failing. And I don't think I'm unique in coaching that you don't you don't take time to smell the roses. You're all about the next game. And you know, someday we'll do that. Uh, what I I guess the somewhat glib, maybe, maybe honest responses. There's more to come, I hope. So hopefully this weekend.
2: Coach, you uh you had a great first in at Montana. You left, you came back. I'm wondering because some coaches just belong at a certain school for their entire career. And so I am wondering, do you have any regret about leaving there the first time?
3: Some um but you know like we all do we weave our way and you know having not done that wouldn't have got to take uh UNLV to a bowl game the one time the first time since coach Robinson did it so that was fun met a lot of great people in Vegas I was just thinking about it when Mike was talking about the scheduling and we had a game open up late and so they came to me and they said who should we schedule I said well let's try to get a, a team that it's kind of like us. Let's get a team out of the MAC or Conference USA or the Sun Belt or something. And and they came back in about three days and said, Hey, we got a game. And I go, Who'd you get? And they go, Northern Illinois. And I was like, You're, you are aware they just played the <laughs> Orange Bowl, <aren't> you? <laughs> So some teams are easier to get on the schedule than others. Sometimes you don't want them. Hey, how do you, Coach, how do you think this week,
1: you know, when, when you go into practice each of these days, um, getting, last week to put aside how are these players I mean they haven't had a win like this so do you have something they want Bama Mike do do, do you have
2: no no No, they they don't don't. (laughs)
1: do you have something do you have something in mind to try and make them forget it or are you just hoping that you know that team leadership you know works it that way
3: yeah I'm a I'm a real believer in routine so we're on our routine it's the same every dang week Mike and uh with that being said uh You got to trust the maturity of your team. We speak pretty frankly with them about where the traps are and the ambushes are as we see them coming as best we can. And if you get a mature team, they'll respond appropriately. If you don't, you'll get caught. So um, try to ensure they listen to you and try to make sure they understand where you're coming from and then try to provide some video evidence.
2: Mike, it's a great question because I equate it to like once you sit first class on an airplane, it's hard to go yeah. back. to coach. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's super hard. Uh, congratulations, Coach, on the uh, on the best post game celebration in the history of college football.
3: <laughs> well, I hope it was up there. I don't know about the best, but it's good. And you know, it, the other thing on to Mike's question, we'll be sold out here again this weekend, so people be fired up, including our kids. I think.
2: Even more fired up, probably. But just going to that celebration, did it, like, were you thinking for a minute, I hope the guys are there to catch me?
3: Like, <laughs> how did that work? <laughs> yeah, we, we've got one in there with the same last name as me. He'd probably let me drop. I think <laughs> the rest of them will <laughs> You always find out a whole lot about people in situations like that. Yeah. When the old when the old dude gets some adrenaline pump and he's still got a few hops. That's good. <laughs> Gotta love it.
2: What a what a moment. Great moment yeah, for you, Coach. Yeah, what it was a great moment. Uh Mike, there was, there's been so many moments, like Appalachian State over Michigan that one year. And now we had we had this over this past weekend. It's it's one of the many reasons we love college football. Uh coach, we know you're busy. Uh, congratulations to you and your kids and the entire program. And the university, it was uh, it was fun to watch. We like we love underdogs around here, coach. So it was uh, it was a lot well, of fun. Well, I, I can't
3: tell you how much I appreciate you giving me some time and having me on, guys. It's good to see you and go, Grizz.
2: Miller Lights. Always have, always will.
1: When you get a when you get a big win, you go into yeah. those meetings yeah. and oh man, you just get knocked down.
2: So I, M- Mike, here here I'll equate it to this. Like um, there was a time I think Northwestern women's lacrosse won a national championship or won a big national semifinal game, and Coach Hiller did not feel this was in an effort to humble the kids, right? Um, to let them know, hey, you're not nearly as good as you th- as you think you are, and next game's going to be even tougher. After that victory, they hopped on a plane, went back to uh, Evanston, Illinois, and they ran sprints. <laughs> and they did wait it for a minute.
1: Wait, yeah. wait. This was after winning the national championship?
2: This was I think it was a big semifinal oh, okay. game or an NCAA game. I was going to say, yeah. if that's, yeah. it, it, it,
1: it, even Saban wouldn't do that. I mean, after you win the title. Uh, right. I, mean, I, mean, I mean, Saban will go yeah, back to work I mean, the next day, but he's not going to make them run sprints. But it, it is amazing. I'll never forget Mike's last year when they went undefeated, when Mike and Jake were at Notre Dame in twelve. They, they went to Ireland in the first game, and they destroyed Navy in Ireland. And Mike said, and now he had Harry Heestand as a coach who is always going to jump you. He said, we walked yeah. out of our offensive line meeting, and we swear to God, we thought we lost the game. I mean, that, that's how bad they got him. But all coaches do that. You players go yes. into those into those meetings thinking, man, what a great win. And you just get your ass torn play after play, and you're like, holy shit. What, what, we won the game what what's what's it gonna be like when we lose but then if you lose a tough game in all honesty they're they're sometimes a little easier on you
2: right it's that uh it's listen coach coaches will say um they're you know they're part coach poor psychologist yeah, yeah. and they'll also say mostly a psychologist you know it's crazy. Um, Mike, do you get as excited as me and Mikey A and, and other fans? Too? Because you played at Notre Dame, you played in the NFL, and college football, we just had week one. It was exciting, it was fun. The NFL is, you know, is here. Uh week one is coming up this weekend. Uh, as a former player, I was thinking about this over the weekend. Do you get as excited as me, Mikey A, uh, you know, my staff, the shipping container, and just fans in general? Do you get as excited yes, as we do for the Without this a day? question,
1: because as really? a player, and now, now, you know, I went from player to parent of players to right, fan. Right. And you, you, it's different kinds of excitement. You know, when you're playing, it's adrenaline. You want to go hit someone. When your kids are playing, it's ungodly nervousness for them to yes. do well. And then when you're a fan, it's just all out rooting for your team. Or, you know, I don't really have like an NFL team I root for. I certainly root for Notre Dame. But then, in just watching games, I'm just happy they're back. But I definitely root, I'm an underdog rooter, like for Montana to pull that game off. When Tulane, you know, comes back on Oklahoma last week, oh, and I mean, God. it's fourth and amazing. 14, and quarterback runs for about 12 and a half yards, you're like, oh. They
2: got to give him the first down there, yeah. Mike. I know.
1: To. So I you're, you're, yes, I, I do. I get, and like I said, three different types of ways I, I was involved in games, but nonetheless, still as excited, yeah.
2: Um, we all started rooting, right? The entire country. You could feel that. Like everyone was pulling for Tulane in that spot, right? That was oh, so Oh, no
1: doubt fun. about it. No doubt about it. But listen, you were a player, and, and I know we goof around where you played ball at what, Clark, right? Was it? Yeah. You know, yes. and, and yeah. you're a fan now, but you have a daughter. Yeah, now you coach your daughters and, and such in, in playing lacrosse, but your one daughter, she's going to a monster, big time lacrosse school in Northwestern. So it's now, and now you can't coach her anymore, or at least please. For all that is holy, do not try and coach her when she is at Northwestern, okay?
2: For, for a man for a man that's gotten
1: kicked out of tournaments that you've coached, leave her alone, okay? Leave her be. But it will be so different when you're not coaching now and you're just sitting in the stands, wait till I, I can't wait to hear you explain to me how you felt. Because it is one of the most helpless feelings in the world when you've done all you can now you coached them I coached my kids and then you just you're out there and they're doing their thing you know and and there's not a damn thing you can do about it anymore
2: I haven't experienced it yet because you're right I've been coaching and coaching has really helped me get through that where I'm not just fixated on what my child is doing out of the field I have to I'm responsible for the entire team so it helped. Uh, it helped get me through. And you're right. I'm nervous about this part, Mike. I am handing her off to the Bill Belichick. You are. You Ross are. coaches, And yet, I'm still going to try. No, and you can.
1: Do not be that guy, Stu. Please <laughs> okay. do not be that guy, okay. because there are plenty of guys that are that guy, and they get ripped all the time. And I will come on here and destroy you if you're that guy.
2: (laughs) Okay, then I won't do it. But are you, Mikey A., are you, like, we know the goal looks pretty well at this point. You don't think Mike Sr. was picking apart Mike Jr.'s line play when he was at Notre <laughs> here, Dame? Here, here's what <laughs> he I did. Here, when, when they got, I coached them all in the Little League.
1: When they got to high school, right. I sat in the stands and I kept my mouth shut. I had them in the summer. I worked Mike and Jake in the summer, did drills with them. And after their high school games, we did film them. And the next day, we did go down to the basement and watch tape. But when they were at school, around the other coaches... I didn't say a word unless occasionally the coach asked me to chime in on something and I did other than that I didn't say a word so do not butt into it Stu do not butt in <laughs> see I picture you I picture you watching the tape wagging a finger at yes, he I mean. you just got <laughs> reprimanded by daddy Golan. Yes. but I picture yes, I you holding all that in and waiting for Mike uh, junior to make like a snide comment like dad you were supposed to go the other way oh like your pass protection
2: you know, I picture like, you just kind of throwing things out at him that way just to kind of knock him off a pedestal.
1: Oh, did it to both of them. Did, they, they knew it. Listen, they knew every Sunday. Saturday was a game. Every Sunday they were for in high school. This is high school. College, nothing. High school, they were coming downstairs, and we were going over the tape, and, and they knew it. They knew I was going to point shit out. I mean, nobody plays a perfect game, so you got to point it out.
2: Right. Uh, Mikey, yeah, you have me thinking now. <laughs> like, yes, I'll do it in a very passive-aggressive <laughs> yes. way. Like, hey, Dad, Hey, Dad. you missed the turn there. Oh, the same way you missed that wide-open girl in front oh, of the game. Uh, wait, so Golic? No, because Golic, you're right. I am excited to hand her off to the Northwestern coaching staff, and I'm excited for my daughter to finally hear a different voice than my voice. Um, but can I still yell at Rex? No. I, I need no. no. Sit there what?
1: and just enjoy the fact that all your daughter's hard work paid off, and she's at one of the best programs in the country. You, as much as I hate to admit, you had a lot to do with that. So just, now it's a time, just sit back and enjoy it, man. Let her do her thing. Stu, do you have a go-to thing you yell at the ref? Do you have, like, that one thing that you save in your back pocket and that you can't wait to throw at a ref?
2: Yeah, know the rules. Oh, God. It's your job. Know the rules. Like, that's it. Just know the rules. It's the bare minimums. Just know the rules, okay? Like, Mike, I can't say that. I can't say know the rules. No, Okay, 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 okay. The
1: Northwestern coaches will do that because you know what the Northwestern coaches, they know the rules, the refs yeah. know the rules, and sometimes they don't do it well. They'll talk to the refs about it, not you. All
2: right. But what if the refs closer to me than they are to the Northwestern, Northwestern coaches? The Northwestern coaches will no, still see no. it,
1: and they'll take care of it. Okay. Man, Abby is going to have a, such a tough time with you. She is going to beat the shit out of you.
2: Oh my God! You're gonna the shit out of me, Mike. Here, here, here's what I propose to you: Can I take you to the games and you, like, you'll be my mouthpiece? I'll tell you what to yell, and you yell. No, at Rachel, Okay, she'll listen to No, you,
1: I am not yelling at any coaches or any refs. I'm going to sit there and enjoy the game.
2: <laughs> but how about my daughter, I'm giving you permission. No! To you can do that. <laughs> Mike, this is going to be really hard You know, hard know what me, I fear? But...
1: Because I fear you after the game because you're going to have so much pent up that after the game you're just not going to be able to help yourself. She's going to be ready to move on and go out for that night and go be social, right. and you're going to want to sit there and break the game down with her.
2: <laughs> oh, will. God. Whether she's I... there or not, I'm doing <laughs> it anyway. Just go yell at Double Parkers. <laughs> wow. Oh, God, my God. This is going to be tricky for me. All right, Mike, are you ready for uh, this week's episode, this week's edition of GOSO, which is a game we put together? uh, We used to play it with Mike Gola Jr. It was called Gojo. Uh, Really what it is is it allows me to lob questions to you, the football expert, and allows me to sit back and listen to you and be lazier than I already am. Are you ready for that? I'm ready for
1: a segment that should be called Stu's Way Out of Work is what it
2: should be. (laughs) Okay. Rename it. All right, here we go. With a win over LSU to get the Bruins to 2-0, are Chip Kelly and the UCLA Bruins back? Go
3: so.
1: You know what? I don't know if I'm going to sit there and say they're all the way back, but considering what Chip Kelly has done there and considering he came on our podcast, which we're good luck for, they are certainly heading in the direction that he finally wants to go. Now, been there a few years. This is time for your recruits. For, to start kicking in and getting the job done. And and they've looked good. So I, I'm, I'm not going to sit there because this is something we used to do with Texas all the time. Oh, is Texas back? But the bottom line is their arrow is pointing in the right direction right now. Can they keep it going now when they get into conference play?
2: Mike, what I loved about seeing Chip Kelly and UCLA win that football game, and we'll get to LSU in just a second. What I loved about it is I think people forget... You know, when I was growing up, when we were growing up, Mike, UCLA was a big deal on the college football landscape. USC and UCLA. Uh, you had Troy Aikman playing at UCLA. You had Rodney Pete playing over at USC. You had Heisman Trophy winners or Heisman Trophy candidates on, on both teams. And I think college football is just better, Mike. With teams like UCLA, USC, Notre Dame. You saw Florida State come back a little bit over the weekend. We'll get to that game in a second. College football is better when those teams are really good. And it looks like UCLA is pretty I, I good. I agree.
1: I agree. So, again, it's early in the season. Those first couple games, you got to let settle a little bit. But that was a, a big win over a big program in LSU. That was a nice big matchup and a nice test. So, uh, I, I agree with you. That, that that's, let's But let's, again, see what happens going forward.
2: Alright, um, that leads me to LSU. Mike, what the hell happened to LSU since they won their national championship? <laughs> Go
1: We keep talking about the same teams that are always at the top. You know, Clemson, Ohio State, uh, Alabama, obviously. Oklahoma, we said that about. We throw Georgia in every now and then. And kind of in the periphery is LSU. They're not up there all the time, but they're up there sometime. Listen, Ed Orgeron, I mean, when he was at SC and took over there, they keep, they keep talking about his job. You know, at LSU, they want to talk about his job, and then he wins, and then they, then they don't forbid they'll start talking about his job again. It's unbelievable how that works, but they're an up-and-down team. They have great athletes. Um, a lot depends on the quarterback. Remember the year they did what they did, Burrow had just a monster year, So the, and, and they had an incredible coordinator that went to the NFL as well. So they were very quarterback reliant. So they, they have to be that team, again, that isn't all reliant on the quarterback. You know, you sit there and look at an Alabama, you know, a Georgia who got that big win. These are teams that rely, even though uh, the kid from Bama played well, they rely on so many other parts of their game. And you see LSU getting tons of players into the NFL all the time. So the horses are there. It's just a matter of corralling them all and getting them all on the same page.
2: Here's what I was thinking. I was thinking as, you know, as LSU was losing to to UCLA there and UCLA gets off to the 2-0 start, and LSU has been dreadful since Joe Burrow left and went to uh went to the NFL since they won their national championship. It made me think just how impressive it is what Nick Saban in Alabama yeah. is doing, Mike. Like it is like to to maintain this level. Of consistency and success for this long, LSU won a national championship two years ago. They're dreadful two years later. To be able, to, Clemson did not look very impressive in their in their in their opening week uh, loss to Georgia. It just made me think, God, Nick Saban's so goddamn. And, and,
1: and why he's so good? Because what's been happening? to Alabama over the years. The one constant is Nick Saban. Another constant is they're usually number one, two, or worse, three in recruiting. So they're getting the players. But there are teams that get players and don't develop them the right way. The, one of the amazing things to me is that he constantly is losing an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. And when he loses those coordinators, those coordinators sometimes will take from those uh, position coaches to make those guys coordinators where they're going. So you're not losing just one coach. Sometimes you're losing three. Sometimes you're losing four and he just keeps filling them in. He brings them in guys that get fired. Maybe in the NFL, all of a sudden they're an analyst, you know, and you know, the old analyst job that's going on. So that to me, there's, there's a way you do business and we know the way Saban does business, but you still have to have the coaches around you, right? And he has the coaches around him. Now, these coaches move on and they've never beaten Saban uh, when they play one another. But to me, that's one of the more amazing things is he keeps losing his top coaches, keeps replacing them, and just keeps winning.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's incredible. He lost Lane Kiffin. He lost Sarkeesian, who's now at Texas. He lost Kirby Smart to Georgia. Um and he loses players, Mike. He had eight new players on offense. They put up 44 against the 14th ranked team in you the country. Look at, you <laughs> look at a
1: lot of teams in the country because everybody got that extra year for COVID. That that uh, extra year that doesn't count. Teams are bringing back 17, 18, 19 starters from a year ago. Now Alabama, because these guys don't want to come back. These guys are going to the NFL. So the, the, a lot of these guys are three years and done going to the NFL or four years and going to the NFL. You don't get many there that are saying, oh, I get an extra year. Let me go Let me go just play again until I go in the real world and get my finance job. No, these guys are all going <laughs> to the NFL. So they're not, he's not getting these COVID extra year eligibility back. They're all gone.
2: All right, leads me to my next go-so question. Quarterbacks are decommitting from places like USC to play at Alabama. Is college football over? go so it's what it
1: is right now I mean nothing's changed over the last five six seven years right I mean we've had this basically the same teams at the top throwing in Oklahoma throwing in Notre Dame you know every now throwing a Georgia it's basically been Clemson Ohio State Alabama Uh, we'll see who jumps in like we've talked already maybe Texas A&M could be that team but no, I mean, you—you're. Uh, this is college football. So, no, I don't think it's over. I still think, I still think you can have a great regular season. What's become somewhat mundane is the postseason. But the regular season is right. so exciting because you're trying to get – to the postseason. So that's what I think keeps it exciting. And it's only going to get more exciting, understand, when they go to 12 teams because now you have more teams in group of five teams. All of a sudden, their fan bases are going to get excited because at least they'll be in the tournament. You still may get the same teams that are winning it, but you can you can't win it if you're not there. So you got to be there. So just the chance to be there and then that helps recruiting. Even if you're the seventh ranked team in the 12-team college playoff, you go out, you know, and, and you get in the rankings for a couple of years, and you're a group of five. You can go in that in that uh, living room of that 18 year old and say, "Listen, we're going to the college playoffs." You know, every year, or every other year. So you're going to get to play, you know, against the best of the best. So that's a great recruiting point. So I mean, it nothing's going to be as different as it is now. L- let me put it this way: It's not going to get worse. It can't, right? I mean, it's friggin' Alabama. Throw in Clemson like we have. Throw in a year of LSU. And like we said, Ohio State and others. But basically, it's Alabama. So we're already there. So yeah. to me, it can only open up if we can ever get to that point.
2: But Mike, here's, here's and, and maybe again, it speaks to how impressive this run has been for Nick Saban. Because the first four or five national championships, he was doing it. The one weakness you could point to was, hey, they don't have a quarterback. Like maybe we have the better quarterback in this game and perhaps we have a chance, right? But then Jalen Hurts comes in and he makes it to the NFL. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with Lincoln Riley and Oklahoma and the time he spent there. I understand that. But then Tua comes in as a major quarterback prospect and he gets selected a second or third overall by the Dolphins. We'll see how he turns out. And now you have Mac Jones as the starter in New England. And so, Mike, it's scary. When Nick Saban doesn't even have to walk into your locker room, okay because bryce wants to decommit from usc and play at alabama because he sees hey their quarterbacks are going to the nfl now and having success i want to go to that place like it's it's a frightening thing
1: winning begets winning right so they have a program where you play you have a chance to win a national championship every year and then go to the nfl so you pick a five-star out there that's what they want that's and and oh by the way I can sign with this team and if I'm a big time recruit, I can make a ton of money before I even step on the field like Bryce Young did before he even has a play. So that's all because of what he's done. It's it's the fruit of his labor. So you're right. I mean, he goes into living rooms to talk to players, but he basically could just sit in one spot and players will be lining up to say, sir, let me first, let me kiss the ring. Can I come play for you? I mean, that's, listen, that's what you get when you're that good. So kudos to him for it.
2: Mike, yeah, I love, the, uh, I, I love imagining Nick Saban just sitting back in his office in a chair saying, you want to come here? Yeah. Come to me. I'm not making me Hey, write,
1: write, write a 300-word essay on why I should sign you here at Alabama.
2: <laughs> Plus, what do you got in your wallet? Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I get 20% of your NIL deal. Not that he would need it,
2: God knows. Right. No. <laughs> no. Mikey gets a raise every time a coach gets yeah, a mean, raise. I mean, you, you
1: can't be no. in a better spot than he's no, in, right? I mean, you no, just can't. No. And it'll do it for as long as he wants to.
2: Um, which leads me to my next question Should Alabama's BT make the playoff? <laughs> Go so! <zone>! Go so. <laughs> Keep it all in, Mike.
1: Listen, I, I mean, I, it would be interesting if just the backups played. Now, uh, again, w- would they be in the playoffs? No, I, I, I do not think they would.
2: They beat the Canes, but, though. but you know what they would have? <laughs> they,
1: they, they, oh yeah, they beat the Canes. Uh, they'd have a winning season. I tell you that they would probably have a winning <laughs> season. I mean, you, 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 I mean, look who's just stepping in. I mean, people. the next guy just steps up. You get it. Uh, the kid who was a right tackle last year goes to left tackle because Alex Leatherwood, who was the right tackle, and then when the left tackle spot became available, he went to left tackle, then to the NFL. This kid now was at right tackle last year, is at left tackle this year, and it'll be a first rounder in the NFL. Like I said, you keep getting those recruits because you win. So you have five stars backing up five stars. You know, five or four stars, and just getting ready to step in and play.
2: uh Mike, last uh, well, two more questions here for GoSo. Uh, was Dabo Swinney right? Now you made a very good point earlier about the twelve-team playoff. We're still at a fourteen playoff, but I think Dabo Swinney kind of made a great point last year when he said there aren't twelve teams good enough for a twelve-team playoff. Was Dabo right? <laughs>
1: I really feel like I should be putting my hands together every time I hear that one. Uh, yes, he you know, he he is right because we talk about this in, in the pro sports all the time. How many teams are good enough, you know, to win to win a championship. I know, I, I do not think there I think he is right. There are not 12 teams that could that could beat the top teams and win a national championship. But that doesn't matter. It's not all about winning it. Like I said, it's about recruiting as well. It's about extra money because these bowl games are going to be tied to more money. There's a lot of money in college football, and there's a lot of money in the college football playoff. And once they learn where to dispense that, we're going to get to the 12 team a lot sooner than we think. I know we probably hit a roadblock here because of the possible conference realignment, you know, and the whole Pac-12, Big Ten, ACC, Friends with Benefit pack, whatever the hell they have going on. But I, I, that might slow the roll of the 12 team playoff. But no, Dabo's right. There aren't teams, 12 teams good enough to win the championship. But in all honesty, that in all honesty, that's not what it's all about. You're in the tournament, and you have a chance, but extra money comes with it, and it also helps you in
2: recruiting. So, Mike, you're saying because right now, if the season ended today and we were just looking at the rankings, Iowa State would be a playoff team. And you're saying for a school like Iowa State to simply make the playoffs, win a game or two perhaps make it to a national semifinal, that is massive. For massive.
1: Yes. Massive. And and forgetting even Iowa State. I did a lot of their games last year. Matt Campbell's doing a great job for them. They have a very good team. They had a lot of guys that came back. I mean, for like the group of fives that have never gotten a chance in the playoffs, now they're going to get into the playoffs, so they're going to get a playoff game. They're going to get that extra money. And while the five stars and four stars, there, there believe it or not, there are some five and four stars who don't want to wait to play. They'd like to go play right away. So they won't go to a bigger school uh, where a five or four star is maybe a sophomore or something or a freshman. They'll may choose a group of five and say, I'm going to go there and I'm going to play right away and get my stock high.
2: In what was the best game of the weekend, Mike, Florida State and Notre Dame, was it an odd way for Florida State to honor Bobby Bowden by putting one wide left? Go so... I, I
1: don't even want to answer that because we all love that guy. We all love that guy. <laughs> I love Bobby. I, I, I love, I love, Bobby the, I love what forward. they have on the field for him. I they love how they did everything. But
2: but you're happy. That, well,
1: yeah. Game. I mean, uh, listen, I <laughs> give them credit for coming back and tying that game up. I mean, they were getting – What well, a great It was a game, great yeah. game. So, you know, people say, oh, Notre Dame gave up 38, blah, blah. I say, you know what? It's week one. You take the win, you get the hell out, and you move on. For Florida State – I get there's no moral victories, but for a team that had been down so much, that was that was pretty pretty bright what you saw when them coming back the way they did. You know Mackenzie Milton, that kid. I mean coming back off that that knee injury and coming in the game and what he did. I mean how you not did you see him showing in the stands? I mean his mom's crying. I mean you got to be just dying with every play for that kid out there hoping he's okay.
2: Uh, you were so happy there, weren't you? I mean, just, uh, like, put us there, Mike. Put us there. Notre Dame, Florida State. I mean, it brought me back to my childhood, like the Charlie Ward game against Lou Holtz's Notre Dame team, who I think they won that game and then lost to BC and Glenn Foley the next week. Sorry. Yeah, I, and, and Glenn Foley. Mikey, yeah, I did say Glenn Foley, I the know, Jets quarterback. Anytime yeah.
1: yeah, <laughs> any time I did, uh, I remember the first time I went and did a uh, a Jacksonville Jaguar game for their preseason TV in 95, and who was the coach? Tom Coughlin. And when I, I went to their training camp to hang out, I walked in his office, and that friggin' picture is right above him. That friggin' field goal when Boston College beat Notre Dame. And I'm just like, dude, he's like, oh, that's every that goes everywhere I go. It's it's <laughs> sickening. But yeah, listen, there have been some great Florida State Notre Dame games in the past. This one from both being powerhouses wasn't so much because Florida State's been down a bit. Uh, but, hey, you know, they they turned in a hell of a performance in taking that one to overtime, so let's see if they can build off that. They have good athletes. They made a ton of mistakes in that game. Some you could put on it being the first game of the season. Some, they just, you know, it, it's just going to take a while for the discipline to be there fully to not make as many mistakes.
2: But Mike, Brian Kelly told us, and by the way, do you text Kelly after the games, like, hey, good job, Coach? No, What's I, I, I do
1: not, but I, I'll see him at some point. We live kind of close to one another here, so I'm sure I'll run into him.
2: He did tell us that Norville is a very good head coach when he was on with us, and he told us that Florida State was going to be a lot better this year. And, and they are; they
1: definitely are. They had some yeah. areas they had to rebuild, and Norville had a rough start there when he first started there. Uh, but he's 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 getting the players to buy into what he's selling now, and that's sometimes it takes time. But let's see if they can they can springboard that performance into other good ones.
2: All right, just getting away from GoSo for a second. I have one. Uh, I have one college football thing I want to discuss with you, and one uh, and one NFL uh, thing that I'd like to discuss. But in college football, uh, Mike, it's interesting. The ACC, Clemson had the worst possible weekend you could have. Not only did they lose to Georgia, and Georgia's defense looks fantastic. Yes, they do. My goodness. In fact, if there's a team that could beat Alabama out there, maybe it is uh, the University of Georgia. But the worst possible weekend for Clemson and Dabo Swinney. Not only did you lose that game, but the Canes lost. They got blown out by by, uh, by Alabama. And and you had North Carolina lose. And so it looks like Clemson, Mike, could go the rest of the season without playing a ranked opponent. And I'm just not certain if that's the case. And they run the table here, how they make it to the college football playoff. I had said
1: before the first week that... Even the loser of Georgia Clemson maybe wasn't in a bad shape because they were still 0-0 in their conference and could win it. But to that point, I didn't see all those ACC's losing to where if all of a sudden they drop in rankings or aren't ranked, Clemson could go undefeated in the ACC, win the ACC championship. But if there are other, uh, other teams that are undefeated or a one-loss SEC team, I mean, then... I mean, all bets could be off. I mean, it could be really, really interesting for them because of that. I mean, because those guys are definitely going to drop. There's no, there's no doubt about that. I mean, already you sit there, everybody's already looking ahead, say Georgia plays Alabama in the SEC championship game and say Alabama beats Georgia. Well, Georgia has a loss. Alabama doesn't, but Georgia still going to get in. You know, so that's taking a spot. You have the other power fives. Is someone else going to jump in there? I, I, it could be difficult. The one thing that can, usually can save them sometimes is we, we, we wonder about the PAC 12. Is the PAC 12 going to be good enough to get a representative? You know So you, you could have two from, uh, uh, from the SEC, but then you have three other conferences, Big 12, Big Ten, where you think it'll be Ohio State. and then you got one more slot if it's Alabama and Georgia, then it could be between Big 12 and the ACC.
2: be interesting. It's so crazy how it works, because you look at the Pac-12 right now, and again, we're two weeks into the season, though, but UCLA looks to be back, but Washington had a loss that you don't really want, right? But Arizona State looks like they could be pretty good. It's like, it's crazy, college football. Um, Mike, the NFL starts this weekend. Um, I heard Jeff Saturday talk about Zach Martin, who's not going to be available for the game on Thursday night. He played at Notre Dame, obviously. You, you're very familiar with him. Jeff Saturday said that Zach Morton at his position, he's the Patrick Mahomes of his position, that outside of quarterbacks, he might be the most important person uh, in the NFL, especially when you consider Dak Prescott coming off that injury. So, because none of us are paying attention to line play, Mike, and we're only paying attention to quarterback play, okay, because it's the only thing that we can kind of digest and analyze and look at, okay, explain to people just how good Zach Morton is and how important a loss that is for the Dallas so Cowboys. So
1: one of the best linemen I ever played against, um, I played against him when he was at Penn State, and I was a freshman at Notre Dame, he was a senior, was Mike Munchuk. And then Mike Munchuk went to the Oilers, obviously, and we were teammates there, so I practiced against him every day. And he's in the Hall of Fame, as he should be, because he's one of the greatest offensive linemen to ever play. He, The one thing you do as a D lineman is you try and get get tells from an offensive lineman. What does he do? Is he looking one way? Is he digging a foot one time? Does he got too much pressure on his hand? I haven't seen a player since Mike Munchak, and this was in the early 80s, until Zach Martin, where he's in the exact same stance every time. He doesn't give away anything ever on the stance on what he's doing and what the play is going to be. And then he is so technically sound. I said that the best, one of the best technical guys I ever went against was Dwight Stevenson, the great uh, um, center from the, the the Dolphins. Zach Martin will go down as one of the greatest technicians on the line to ever play a game. And when somebody else gets a hand inside of him or gets leverage on him, his ability to regroup because you don't win every single time, at least right off the bat. His ability to replace his hands, move his hips, slide his feet, get back in a position to win when you don't think he can is uncanny. So he, he he basically has it all. He has a great stance. He doesn't give anything away. He's a technician, incredible technician. And when at times he gets in a bad position, he is able to, to, to switch it and make it up to put himself in a good position. As long as he stays healthy a couple of more years, he's a walk-in Hall of Famer. Walk-in. And he could play any position. He's played right tackle. He played left tackle for four years at Notre Dame. He could play left guard or center. He could do anything. You know, I just hope the injury bug, which has started to get him a little bit, not for this game, it's the COVID situation. I I just hope that stays away and he can fulfill and and go where he belongs because he'll go down as, as one of the great linemen to play in the NFL.
2: But Mike, you'd be a nervous wreck if you're a Cowboy fan yeah. or a coach, right? Putting that quarterback in without that yeah, guy Yeah, I mean, playing. he's
1: a guy you count on for so much. I know there's five guys up front and they all have to work in unison. But, I mean, you heard Zeke Elliott said, he says, hell of a lot of the runs end up over him. Even if they don't start over him, I end up going, you know, where right. he's blocking. So that's how he imp- important he is. And you're right, people don't understand enough how important O-linemen are.
2: Dude is, dude is unreal. But at least they're not playing the Bucs. Yeah, at least they're
1: not playing the team that stops the run the best. Yeah. And at least the Dominican Sue isn't back.
2: God. No, no, no. What's amazing, Zach Martin, COVID list. This guy's hurt. That guy's out. This guy's hurt. Yeah, Tom Brady, you're 44 years of age. There he is. He's all good. (laughs) He's all good with
1: his avocado (laughs) ice cream.
2: And listen, looking back at that boat parade, I mean, it's hard for me to fathom how he contracted COVID. No. (laughs) Can't see it. No clue how it happened. At least we know he's yeah, human now, true. Mike. It is true. He is susceptible. <laughs> Rub a little TV twelve on it. Go what? Mikey A., how refreshing is it for us to have someone who knows fucking football? <laughs> and that is liked. <laughs> Not liked. Loved. Yes. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be me and you talking about football. It's like I have this goal. It makes me, I I feel so confident. I have this goalie shield. I hold them up and I'm like, I'm a (laughs) goalie. I'm a football (laughs) expert. He hates doing this with me. Stupidity. Stu Gatz here for my friends over at Miller Lite. A lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite.